You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Lalo. Lalo makes the highest quality sex toys that combine state of the art technology with sleek yet functional designs that you don't have to hide away in your bedside drawer. Honestly, their designs are so modern and slick looking, you'll want to leave them out on display. And this Valentine's Day, they're offering my listeners 20% off any products not already on discount when you use code HOLLY20 at Lalo.com. That's 20% off with code HOLLY20 at LELO.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall. And welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry. And as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. So here we are, episode two of my epic series of interviews at the AVN 2020 show at the Adult Time booth. Today, my interviews will be with the queen of Adult Time and one of the most accomplished and legendary directors of our time, Brie Mills. And then we're going to go on with Alison Ray, Demi Sutra, finishing up with Kenna James. So please enjoy these interviews with these marvelous women for episode two from the AVN 2020 convention. Hello, everyone. I am back, and I have probably one of the most influential directors in the industry right here with me, the one who so graciously invited me to do my podcast from the Adult Time booth, the one and only Brie Mills. Hi. Hi, Brie. Hi. Hi, Holly. Are you excited for the Avian Awards? I, I'm pretty chill about it. I'll be honest. I'm excited. It's always fun. It's fun to dress up. It's fun to wear a, have an excuse to wear a suit. Yeah. Um, I try not to read too much into, you know, winners and not winners. So whatever happens will happen. It's going to be a nice night and I'm blessed either way. So I'm, I'm feeling relaxed about the Avian Awards. Well, I mean, you've gone on stage and accepted so many awards over the years that, uh, you know, you must be pretty used to it by now and it's just kind of par for the course uh, it's one of those things like if you think too much about it and I found I found this year's past like if I'm like really like I want it then you're inevitably going to get disappointed yeah. so I'd rather just be like well whatever happens happens yeah. cool and, and I'd rather be surprised than disappointed so. yeah and ultimately either way you've created some incredible content this year I honestly almost feel like so I was nominated for best web director for my work for Twisties and I didn't expect it but I was so fucking relieved to not be nominated for best like feature director because like to have to compete with like you and Caden yeah. and all these other people that are just creating I just feel like it's not fair so many amazing movies have come out this year like how the fuck are you going to pick one yeah it's going to be it's tough you know I I have so much respect for 
you know, for my fellow nominees, and you mentioned Caden. I mean, ugh, you know, is yeah. there is there anybody out there who creates anything as rich as what she does, right. just from a visual perspective? Right. So it's it, it's a real honor just to be kind of working in this time period yeah. because we're all elevating each other yes. and and in such positive directions. So yeah. if it's not me this year, if it's someone else, good. We're all like getting better as a result of it. So yeah, I agree with you, and I. I think that that's what's so wonderful about the adult community, especially right now, is everybody is really creating this incredibly beautiful stuff, and I feel that we're really changing people's mind about what porn can be. And, you know, it's people like you, it's people like Caden, and, you know, so many other people that are just really, like you said, elevating the craft as a whole. And it's just, it's, from, for me, who's been in the industry for so long, to, like, watch this yeah. monumental shift, it's just so fucking cool. Yeah. I can't yeah. even tell you. Yeah. How do you feel? I'm going to throw, can I throw a question back at you? Sure. Like, you Let's ha- talk about you me. Have, I'm good. You have, you have <laughs> been in this business you know, for so long growing up in this business, what would you say, like, what do you think has caused, especially in the last five years, this real pivot? Mm. You know, that's such an interesting question. I think the internet obviously changed things so much. And I think at the beginning, what it did was it brought the ability to everyone to be able to watch porn anonymously and to watch whatever they wanted. So I think at the beginning, you know, we had that real extreme porn just because like you couldn't see it before and it became almost like a circus act. But then I think it, it, you know, once people had kind of like, you know, satiated themselves on that, there was a real need and a want for like storylines and something that was more, you know, interesting and more cinematic and something that spoke to people. And I think also, too, you know, with how sex is becoming more and more progressive and how women are finally starting to kind of open up and talk about their sexuality and talk about being interested in porn and watching porn. I think that has shifted a lot, too, because before porn was really much everybody's dirty little secret and all porn was the same and none of it had any value. And I've just seen that change so much. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the rise of, of women. And I mean, you can see it just in the fact that like, you know, a lot of the nominated directors are females. Right, right, yeah. And and that's such an incredible thing. So I think that women entering the landscape has changed a lot. Yeah. And I just think that also, honestly, the technology, the way technology has improved, the way that it's become cheaper and easier to light scenes, right. cameras that can, like, see so much more so that you don't have to... You know, have get, that huge mainstream crew. Oh that my huge god! Budget. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, it, and it's so incredible to me what we're able to do with so much less people yeah. than mainstream does. Like, you know, people who say like, "Oh, you know, uh, porn people are have no artistic merit or you know aren't capable of." It's like. Porn people are some of the most talented, hardworking yeah. people I know. And, like, like creative and imaginative. You know, like, what my director of photography, you know, is regularly, like, makeshifting lighting gear out of pizza boxes to just create that right, <laughs> like, that right, you know, shutter effect. And, yeah. and then, you know, you never know that when you're watching the film. Like, oh, it's an amazing lighting technique. That's a pizza box. <laughs> it's a pizza box and some duct tape and, like, and like a lot of creativity. You know, that's the reality. Yeah, it's like you don't need a really expensive grip truck to (laughs) actually make... All you need is, like, the desire and the want and the talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I had you on earlier, and we did a full podcast interview with Angela White and Seth Gamble. We talked about perspective, an amazing movie. 
but we really didn't get to touch on your other movie, Teenage Lesbian. Yes. And that has been an incredibly powerful piece. And I've had quite a few people ask me if I might dive into that with you a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know that that story reflects your upbringing as a gay woman in a time where it wasn't nearly as accepted as it is now. Not that it's as accepted as it should be yet, but it was certainly worse back then. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? So, teenage lesbian, uh, as a as a kind of a concept, has been something I've been wanting to do for a few years. In the sense that I've wanted to create a, a coming of of age and a coming out story that was really rooted in realism. And you know, in my early days uh, creating content for Girls Way, which is uh, one of our studios, uh, I had done a, a series called Sharing the Bed, which while it was quite, you know, kind of traditional male gazy fantasy fulfillment, like it was about uh, a girl struggling to come to terms with her own internalized homophobia, and um, and it really struck a chord with people back then. People, I, I, I received letters, like physical letters from people saying that that series helped them to have the strength to come out, and so I was always really inspired by, you know, the fact that we can use adult uh, as a medium. It's a medium that has tremendous influence over culture and over people, and, you know, that we can use that to tell stories that are otherwise maybe not going to be told effectively in the mainstream. And so I've wanted to do this story, and I wanted to set it in the 90s because as I was a teenager in the 90s, and you're, you're right, 20 years ago, it's, it's not that long ago, and we still have a long way to go, but when you look back to how it was when I was a teenager compared to how it is now, it, it's worlds away. And, you know, the 90s were the last decade before gay rights became any sort of national conversation. And it's just a really interesting time period to reflect on as an individual looking back on that within my own life and how how far things have come and how quickly people kind of forget that that was not very long ago. And, you know, we work with a lot of, of younger people. And I, I think I was talking to a performer once and talking about Ellen's coming out episode, and she didn't know what I was talking about. Because, you know, she just sees Ellen DeGeneres as, like, the famous celebrity talk show host. And, you know, it, I, it kind of made me think about the importance of just resurrecting that time period and how it felt uh, to sort of serve as this nostalgia piece, yes, but also this kind of quite stark reminder about about, you know, how the importance of evolution and inclusivity and continuing to be progressive. And I look at our industry and, you know, a lot of a lot of the areas of inclusivity that we're, we're battling against and we're trying to battle against. And, you know, I think it's important for us as well as society at large to reflect on that. So long story short, I wanted to do that story. I wanted to set it in that time period. And I wanted to make it feel really as authentic as possible. And so I decided that the best way that I could tell an authentic story was to tell my own. And uh, so the film is a work of fiction. Uh, It's told over the course of the lead character Sam's final year in high school. Uh, And it's broken really down into a series of segments based on the months of the year. So these sort of memories uh, that all weave together to tell her final year. And uh, while while it is in itself a work of fiction, each of those sequences are based on something that did happen. So 95% of the film is really, you know, did happen to me. And those were, those characters are, were based on direct people, real people. Uh, and it gave a really interesting nuance to the, to the direction of the film. So, you know, I had such a great ensemble cast 
we could come together. I could do my usual gig where I, you know, I'm a storyteller. I tell everybody the story. We workshop through how we're going to tell the sequence. But this time I could add an extra layer. I could say, okay, guys, here's what really happened. This is what really happened to me. This is how I felt. This is, you know, you know, all the details that I could give them to to make it their own experience so they could kind of internalize it and make it their own experience and everybody was so you know committed to the project and and I think really saw the importance of it and in their own ways could relate to it uh, that it made it this kind of movement it was so as a group of people we we all really banded together to make something that was that meant we knew was going to mean something to people right and it did so yeah well I think as you know a gay woman you know you're part of a marginalized community porn stars, sex workers are part of a marginalized community, yeah. so I can see how they could definitely relate to you on some level. Yeah. Now, the lead in this movie is Kristen Scott, incredible actress. She did an amazing job. What was it about her that made you decide that she was the one who's going to tell your story? Yeah. So I, uh, I often, actually almost always, write projects with specific people in mind. So uh, I will usually anchor a story around somebody in specific and if I if that's not going to work I probably won't tell the story like I'll really conceive it with that person in mind and so um, for this project the first the most important ingredient was going to be who was going to play Sam and I've worked with Kristen a lot Kristen a lot over the years we did another film together half his age and um, I had done actually a, a pure taboo episode with her maybe a year prior uh, which was about a lesbian teenager with a homophobic mother. And um, in a way, it was kind of like an audition. Yeah. You know, like, in my back of my mind, I, like, I, I knew, okay, I'm, I'm going to put her in this role. We're going to see. And I really wanted her to play kind of like how, you know, kind of tomboyish, uh, a little bit like how I was growing up and still am today. And, uh, <laughs> and I... When I saw her performance in that role, I knew, okay, like, there's no doubt that, that it's going to be her. So it was actually at AVN last year. She was signing for us here at the Adult Time booth. And I kind of pulled her aside. I said, so, you know, Kristen, what do you got going on in 2019? Do you think you would uh, have it uh, in your schedule to do this little movie? And, oh, by the way, like, can you play me? <laughs> and, um, you know, luckily, we, we've got a, a really great working relationship. And we've always really creatively vibed well together. And she said yes. And... The project would not be what it was without her. She yeah. she made that project, and, yeah. I, and and just an incredible performance. Yeah, a story like that that holds such significant weight just on the social level. You have to have the right person yeah. playing it; otherwise, it just falls flat. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what a great like what a great choice. And um, man, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I think whatever happens, that's just an important story to tell. Yeah, I agree. Really wonderful to have filmmakers and storytellers like you like I mean honestly I'm not just kissing your ass here but I really just you're making such a huge difference in this industry Thank and like you. I just so appreciate that. Thank you. This well I've, really I've said this to you before I'll say it to you again so is your podcast Thank you. I listen to it every week and I listen to it because it's the greatest 
pulse on what is really important within our industry. Yeah. I recommend it to every single person that I work with who, who isn't involved in adult and every single person who isn't, who I don't work with, who isn't involved in adult because it's like the best internal perspective mm-hmm. on what is important and the, and, 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 and the people in this industry. So thank you for doing that. You really revolutionized that thank in you. what you do. So. Look at this girl. We're changing the That's world. Right, changing the world. <laughs> One part video at a time, folks. One part video. Oh my God. All right. Well, thank you so my much, pleasure. Brie. And thank you for inviting me here. This has been um, so much fun and such an honor. It wouldn't be this booth without you. So. Oh, shucks. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Lalo. Lalo is the front runner in creating state-of-the-art sex toys, beautifully designed and wickedly effective. They just released their most advanced men's masturbator to date, the F1S, which I got an opportunity to try out with my boyfriend just last week. This thing is amazing. All you have to do is slide your penis into the body-safe silicone sleeve, and the revolutionary Sensonic technology does the rest. It actually pulses all around the penis, not just in one place. So you get 360-degree sensation, making for an incredible experience. Plus, you use it to connect with an app that not only allows you to exercise incredibly precise control over its functions, but also track and build your stamina. It's waterproof and easy to clean, and the rechargeable battery lasts up to two hours. So this Valentine's Day, they're offering unfiltered listeners a special deal. You'll get 20% off any products not already on discount when you use code HOLLY20 at lalo.com. That's 20% off with code HOLLY20 at lelo.com. Holly 20, Lalo.com. I'm here with the beautiful and very colorful oh. Allison Ray. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I love ABN. Do you? I do. Wow. I don't always love it, but <laughs> I love it. I love it this time because I love that like I get to do interviews at the Adult Time booth and I get to talk to amazing people like yourself. So I'm actually loving it this year. Um, what is it about ABN that you love so much? You know, I, I've been asked this question. I feel like this is the first year that I've been consistently asked that question. Mm. And the answer is I love feeling famous for a week. Mm. It's very cool to meet fans. Like the fact that I have fans blows my mind. Yeah. Like I'm just this normal girl and people come here and see me and they want to buy autographs and get pictures with me. And yeah. it's just like the coolest thing. And the fact that they come every single day and buy something else or are just so excited to see the outfit or whatever. It's just very cool. I don't know. It makes me feel special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel the same way, especially for me because, you know, I've worked behind the scenes for so long, so I'm not really used to being recognized or having people approach me. Right. Um, And especially with the podcast, like, people have been so receptive about that, so that's been, like, really, really awesome. Yeah, my boyfriend loves your podcast. He's such a big podcast guy. He's not in the industry, Uh but he loves it. He's like, oh, this episode went... You know, whoever was great. Oh, my God, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really huge growing medium, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, too. And it's just such a great way to... Because it allows you... It doesn't captivate all of your attention, right? Because you don't have to watch it. You can just listen to it. So, like, I listen to them when I'm driving or, like, doing laundry or cleaning the house. You know, it's just, like, a nice way to just learn so much cool shit about different things without having to, you know, be able to do something else on the side or really like that. Yeah, that's right. So... Since we are at the Adult Time booth, we should probably talk about the scene that you wrote and directed. Um, it was like a collaboration. I didn't okay. necessarily direct it. Um, it was directed by Craven Warhead. Okay. But I, I wrote it and 
and uh, just help people with the production and the outfits and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was super cool. What's the name of it? The name of it is A Daughter's Love. Okay. And funny enough, uh, it wasn't actually the original story we were supposed to shoot. We were supposed to shoot my backstory, like from before porn, and it relied heavily on the Latuna house, which we couldn't get for the date we were trying to shoot. So That place is always booked. Yeah. Um, so they were like, do you have any other ideas? I was like, heck yeah, I do. And the story I actually wrote was the result of a three-minute writer's block exercise. So it wasn't something that I actually like spent a lot of time on, but it was my favorite story that I came up with when I was brainstorming ideas to submit to them. Right. So basically the prompt was give yourself permission to write badly uh, and then set a timer for three minutes and kind of stream and you write down what it is you would like to be able to write about mm -hmm. and I was like I want to write a horror story about a creepy mom that is treating her 18 year old daughter like she's you know still a child dressing mm -hmm. her up bows all the cute stuff and I just started to write and that's what I came up with and Craven and the crew executed it so well. I was so happy when I finally saw the actual product. Yeah. It was it was perfect. Can you tell us a little bit more about like the detail of the story? Yes. So the idea is my character Callie has been growing up under her mother's overprotective wing forever. Uh, her dad's out of the picture and she is pampered by her mom. They have a routine where she brushes my hair and uh, puts a bow in my hair every night or morning. It's just the routine that we have. And she meets a guy online because her friends set her up with him. And they get together for the first time. He comes over for dinner. And I'm like, who who's this? You know, it's just been me and mom forever. And the idea is kind of, think of it like Stockholm Syndrome. I'm so in love with my mom that someone else is taking away her attention from me and I'm so upset by it so he's been coming on to me uh, for a while and I invite him into my room one night I fuck him to completely destroy get, his to, relationship to, with well, your mom not quite so uh, I'm distracting him from my actual agenda and uh, I guess you're gonna have to see the rest of it how it ends uh. but it's pretty gnarly and I really oh yeah Matt, Matt's over there making some faces because he Did he do was sound there. on it? Yes, he did sound on it. And I did some <laughs> really fun stuff at the end. We got to play with uh, some fake blood, and that's what I'm going to say. It's got a it's got a great ending. Oh, my God. What? Uh, so you mentioned before we went into this that you wanted to write something based on your backstory. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I actually did write it. Uh, I hope we're going to be able to do it soon because it was fun. I was a babysitter before porn, and... It was right in the transition of going to porn that I started, sorry, <laughs> um, I was a babysitter and then I was doing porn I was doing them at the same time while I was in school. And this family that I was babysitting for, the guy was hiring escorts behind his wife's back. And they actually divorced while I was, like, still babysitting for them. Oh, boy. It was, like, a whole thing. Wow. And the story is loosely based off of that. Uh, in the story I wrote, I'm an escort instead of a porn star. Mm -hmm. Or if I can call myself that. Not really. But, you know. Uh, and she ends up... He finds her on, an, you know, one of the websites where escorts put ads out. And is like, oh my gosh, like I would love to fuck her. And so he catfishes me and offers me a lot of money. I show up to the bar to meet this guy that doesn't exist. He's not there. And then 
the guy I babysit for is like, oh, hey. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you know, he's going to catch me. And then he comes on to me and offers me to go back. Because I always kind of wanted to fuck this in real life, the Uh guy. And I was a little bit offended when I found out that he was hiring escorts and, like, never hit on me. Because, like, (laughs) I was 18 and super cute. And I felt like he flirted with me. And I was like, dang, like... Why hire an escort? Like, I'm already at your house. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he was, like, trying to be a responsible individual. But I guess that's not very sexy, is it? No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> In our fantasy, we don't want to think about, like, making those kinds of, like, responsible choices. Of course not. Oh, my God. That's so great. So, it's loosely based off that I would have loved to fuck him. Because he was very hot. But... Mm never got the chance to so I got to live out my fantasy in, in writing it so I hope we do it sometime soon <laughs> is that something that you want to do more of do you want to write more porn scripts I would love to I actually had a director I was talking to a few months back about helping them write scripts mm. uh, they're working on a, di- a project right now that's taking up most of their time so that might be coming in the future and I'm also uh, collaborating with one of my good friends who's also a talent she's going to be producing soon and and hoping that I'm going to help her with some scripts as well. Yeah. That's the nice thing about the adult industry is, like, the opportunity for creative collaboration is really great, you know, mm-hmm. because it's kind of a lower bar of entry. You know, when you want to make a movie or a scene, you don't have to, like, get all this funding, like, millions of dollars and, like, get all these investors in. Like, a lot of times, you know, we're so good at working with so little, you know, like, getting so much done with, like, so little that what you know you can achieve with just like some great writing some like blood sweat and tears and some enthusiasm is actually pretty amazing it's so amazing i love i love how much we can get done in a single day yeah it really does make me question the efficiency of mainstream oh my god girl i can't tell you how many times i've had this discussion with people i'm like you know, and you go on these mainstream sets sometimes, and there's so many people just standing around, like, what are you all doing? Like, I don't know. What are you doing here? Seriously, there's like 40 of you, mm-hmm. and you're all sitting around on your phones, and you're being paid more than like anybody in my crew, and we're all doing like 10 jobs. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. I, I worked on one mainstream. It actually just came out. It was at Sundance, mm-hmm. uh, Mope. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the story. uh, What's that guy's name? The one who uh, had a sword on set and, like, his best friend. Do you remember that? It was, like, years ago. It was a male talent. It was a moat. Oh, okay. It was Steve something, I think. Okay. And he... Anyway, this movie is based off him, but it was a mainstream set, and they had us there, and I swear to God, we filmed... It was 20 or 30 seconds of screen time and we were there for seven hours wow. it was insane wow yeah I never want to go into mainstream <laughs> <laughs> I know I know right it's like you know we have like a nice little like collective family here and like you know we have our own little space and the ability to be creative and that kind of thing yeah it's awesome being around so many creative people mm-hmm. I get a lot of it inspiration from people like Sharita Ville. She and I have gotten closer over the past few months and it's really helping me take my content to the next level. Right. Because there's just so many ideas from different people. Yeah. And yeah. it's nice. It, it definitely um, keeps that creative side of me fresh. Yeah. And it's wonderful that technology has allowed you know, this kind of platform for everybody to put their own little fun spin stories and it's it's actually really cool to see like the interesting stuff that girls come up with and shoot like for porn like porn has become so fun and so creative yes I love that it's not all the same stuff I mean yeah. okay right now it is all the same stuff with studios with incest porn but yeah 
otherwise, like, there's such a variety. There's something for everyone. Yes. And that's, I think that's one of my favorite things about the industry in general and has been since I started is everyone gets to be who they want to be. And it's so diverse and it allows fans to find exactly what they're looking for. Right. It's really accepting of every single kind of person on this planet. Yeah. And I think that's really special. I don't think there's a lot of industries like that. No, definitely not. Is there a favorite genre or type of kink in porn that you're oh yeah you like to shoot? Oh yes. Well, and it kind of uh, goes along with the scene I did for mm-hmm. Pure Taboo for Adult Time. I love DDLG. It's that stands for Daddy Daughter. I'm sorry, Daddy Dom, Little Girl. Mm-hmm. It's a subset of BDSM. So how some people identify as master and slave or uh, like master and kitty or puppy. Um, mine is daddy and little girl. Mm-hmm. And I love I love the innocence. I love the cuteness. I love the power dynamic mm-hmm. of, of that because the, it's the older, younger thing, but it's also there's something about like a family relation that has this extra bit of caretaking and love to it rather yeah. than like a master slave. So that's what I love about it. And also I just love like putting bows in my hair and being extra cute. So, <laughs> that's great. And I get to go to, like, Disneyland and Build-A-Bear and all the fun things. Uh, it's great. And I did it, it was, I kind of incorporated it into my pure taboo scene because, you know, she has her 18-year-old daughter dress like a little girl. Right. So I got to wear really, really cute frilly dresses that I would never get to wear in porn otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, body socks and these, like, awesome pink shoes that yeah. have, like, little hearts on them. It was awesome. I loved it. Oh, my God. You know, it's so funny that you say that because that is definitely like a kink that I was very much into. But the problem is, is as I've gotten older, it's, um, it doesn't really work anymore because being 41 and um, trying to be like I'm a little girl or like putting <laughs> bows in my hair looks completely ridiculous. And calling someone daddy, especially because my boyfriend of three and a half years is actually younger than me. So like I can't go there. So I feel like I've outgrown like the possibility of that kind of like Here's how dynamic. I feel about it. Daddy is a state of mind. Yeah. It doesn't have to be someone older than you whatsoever. Daddy doesn't even have to be, you know, a man. It yeah. can be a woman. But I think there's a little, a middle, and a big in every single person. Mm. And I don't think enough people nurture their littles or middles. A middle, for those of you who don't know, is uh, basically kind of teenage age. Uh, or like 10 and up. Like double digits. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were a different person when you were a child and a teenager and now and there's things inside of you that you need to be able to express that most adults don't get the chance to because society has suppressed them so much into being you know respectable adults right and you know the part of you that loves running around disneyland and going on roller coasters or eating cotton candy it's your little and everyone should nurture that once in a while is it like something about like recapturing like a lost childhood? Definitely. That There's you definitely enjoy? some nostalgia that I yeah. love. And some of it is not even necessarily a lost childhood, but it's enjoying the things that I loved so much as a child, as an adult, and actually having an appreciation for it. For D- Disney, mm. for example. Yeah. I love, I don't know if I can say that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love understanding the effort it takes animators to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. I love seeing all of the detail at Disneyland, how hard everybody works to create that brand. So it's very cool as an adult to see those things and know how special they are, but to be able to still enjoy them through the eyes of a child. Yeah, yeah. So like taking all of those magical 
things that appeal to you so much as a child, but being able to view it through, through the responsible eyes of an adult and being able to like really appreciate it. Because you know how like, kids just don't appreciate anything? Yeah, no, I don't know why anyone brings their three-year-old to Disneyland. They'll never remember or appreciate it. Yeah, they just don't. Well, and as a kid, too, you know, you have like lower capacity to be able to like, you know, you're not mature enough to be able to like recognize that stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, Allison, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Yes. My Twitter is AllisonRayXXX. That's Allison with one L-R-E-Y. It has all my links to my OnlyFans, Sex Panther, many vids. I do custom videos on my email. You'll find all that on my Twitter. Fantastic. Have an amazing time at the rest of this convention. Thank you. You too. Thank you for stopping by, and uh, we'll see you around. All right. Thanks so much. You guys, I'm so excited about my new sponsor because these people are very near and dear to my heart. They've been one of my main clients, if not my main client, for like over the past 10 years. I'm talking, of course, about Twisties and they're sponsoring my podcast now and I'm so thrilled. If you didn't know, Twisties is the ultimate site for lesbian and girl-girl scenes. It explores your deepest and sexiest fantasies. I've been producing for Twisties for years, like I said, and honestly, I can say it's some of the work I have been the most proud of and the most excited to share with the world. Twisties has been creating the hottest glamour porn for over 18 years with the top names in the industry, now exclusively streaming girl-girl content. Their scenes showcase the most recognizable models working with the best fresh faces, making waves in adult entertainment. Twisties Treat of the Months feature exclusive content and videos produced by me, highlighting the hottest girls of the moment, letting them show off what makes them so addicting. Treat of the Months have included Gina Valentina, Alina Lopez, Emily Willis, Desiree Dolce, Demi Sutra, and Twisties current Treat of the Year, Molly Stewart. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com or you can find them on Twitter at twisties and on Instagram at twisties treats. All right, Miss Demi Sutra, how are you doing? I am so fucking good. Yeah, I'm so sorry that I stole your booth from you. I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) Honestly, I asked if you could steal it. Yeah. So, and you didn't even hear me ask. I didn't. You just stole it, which I was did. the correct thing to do. <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you making the time to come on my little mini quick podcast. We're doing very so mini cool. interviews. Nice. So, how has the convention been for you so far? It has been a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought lots of sage. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, right, because you're into yoga and spirituality and all that kind of fun stuff. Okay, I'm a fucking weirdo, but (laughs) I I brought sage because there's a lot of energy, uh, a lot of really good energy. I've been having a fucking blast. I didn't expect anyone to even, like, know who the fuck I was Mm -hmm. the way they did. So I, I come out to start signing, and there's, like, a line of people, and I'm like, oh, for me, you know that I'm. I'm the one signing, right? Like, yeah, it was cool. It was Are fun. you mistaken? Yeah, I love seeing uh, a bunch of people dressed up mm-hmm. the way we like to do. Yeah, so I love being able to shake my ass all over the place. So it's been pretty fucking good so far. And you're very good at shaking your ass. Oh, well, thank you. How long have you been in the industry? Um, I've been shooting mainstream 
porn since 2018. Okay. But I did shoot like two or three scenes in like, uh, I don't even fucking know, like seven years ago, mm-hmm. I had a mohawk and I shot like a couple different, like three scenes and then I left mm. right away. I had a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend and it just like, it didn't, it wasn't suitable for like him and I chose to, you know, see where it went before, uh, over prioritizing my career, which I'll never ever do again, ever, ever. Mm, yeah. But yeah. And that's the thing too, it, you know, it's so important to find somebody who accepts you for who you are and accepts yeah. your choices. It's really like not. Because otherwise it's just like, then that reflects kind of who they are as a person. Insecure. <laughs> yeah. And that never really bodes well. No. So, um, this isn't your first Indian convention, is it? This is my second. Okay. Yeah. So the first one I came was last year, of mm-hmm. course, and um, I kind of stayed in my room yeah. for the most part because yeah. I was so, like, nervous and, like, I wasn't I wasn't totally comfortable, mm-hmm. so I stayed in my room, whereas this time I'm like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean... You definitely, I think, probably have a bigger following now, right? Because you've yeah. been in the industry for a little bit longer. So sometimes it takes a while yeah. to, like, you know, gather those people. And I, I know more people now. Right. Just in general, like, industry people. So I can be like, oh, hey, what's up? Or, like, hey. Yeah. You know, it just feels better. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's early 2020. 2019 has just passed us by. Do you have any, I know, crazy, right? Do you have any particular scenes um, that you did in 2019 that really stand out in your mind? Um, well, obviously I gotta, can I mention the... Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, after I asked that question, I'm like, does she think I'm trying to lead her into talking about my shoe? Which I wasn't, but if you do want to say that it was incredible, I would agree with you. No. I really felt like I... So my Twisty Street shoot was fucking awesome. Yes. Um, I just felt like I could totally be myself. I felt respected. I felt, like, loved. I felt like people were looking at who I was and then, like, pushing that. Yeah. So that I really fucking loved. Um, My favorite scene that I did was the one for adult time, actually, um... Where I wrote it, and it was about, um, it's called Aphrodisiac, mm-hmm. but it's spelled A-F-R-O. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because I talked about, you know, like a young woman in the modeling world who felt pressured to, uh, you know, follow Eurocentric uh, standards of beauty right. and stuff like that. And then she kind of just like came out of her shell as the person that she was meant to be, which I feel like that's, like, my story, but, like, times a thousand. Mm-hmm. Like, so that one I really liked because um, I got to really talk, speak my truth, and it seemed to help a lot of people, so I was really surprised. So that one has uh, really stuck. Yeah. I love that adult time allows this space for, first of all, for performers to write their own scenes right. and stories and tell their own stories, which is so great because production companies never let you guys do right. that before because they never gave you any kind of credit as having the ability to do so, you know? Right. Like, 
there were directors and then there were performers and there wasn't really a crossover. Right. You were the talent and that's all you were. Yeah. But adult, yeah, adult time has really allowed people to cross over and I think what has come out of that has been some really genuine, captivating stories. Yeah. And it's so nice that, that, that porn can be this place where you can kind of speak about these important social issues like in the in a context of like sex and sexuality like it's so interesting it's almost like i felt like personally i felt like i trick people into seeing the bigger picture sometimes Mm. because i'm like oh no i'm just cute doing porn but look at this look over here yeah you know what i mean like i don't know i i like that we can um be our sexy selves but also be true to who we are Mm -hmm. and I love that adult time like gives us the space to do that I think that's fucking incredible like you were saying but it just doesn't happen a whole lot right so and there's like really talented people in this industry yeah I've met so many people with so many different fucking talents and I'm just like wow yeah it's amazing yeah yeah, it's really it's really incredible once you you know give people the opportunity to come out and tell their stories. It's like wow, actually, porn is full of a lot of really interesting, amazing, yeah. creative, interesting people. Yeah, we all have such crazy like different backgrounds. You know, mm-hmm. like people assume all these things when in reality we're just like a lot of us are quite normal. Yeah, a lot of us aren't. Yeah. But a lot of us are quite normal. Like, I was raised by a second grade teacher. My mom's just, like, a regular lady. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. had a, a great childhood, a regular childhood growing up. And, like, education was always, like, pushed heavily in my family. Mm-hmm. Religion. Same. Well, not religion. Education. Well, lucky you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> religion was something I had to, like, overcome, basically. Yeah. But, Yeah. I don't know. I like that we're given a voice. We all have voices now. So it's really powerful. It's really empowering. What do you think is the biggest misconception that the general public has about the porn industry? That we're all these, like, exceptionally damaged, broken beings that, like, can't read or fucking write. And we just, like ended up in porn. Because you know had no other options. Right. That's usually oh, that's, the story. Yeah, and I'm like, no, that's not what... <laughs> I've had people straight up ask me if I've had a hard life. And I'm like, I mean, yeah. Who the fuck hasn't? Yeah. But I mean, I didn't come from, like, this brokenness mm-hmm. and end up in porn. Like, I wanted to be a sexually liberated, sexually explorative woman and I I didn't see that a lot in the black community Mm -hmm. and so you know I decided to just fucking go for it like so it's it's important I don't know yeah I think that's probably the biggest story that people assume that we're just like or things like and we just ended up here when like a lot of us chose to be here and a lot of us love to be here like Mm -hmm. I want to stay here for ever actually I want to be involved in sex work especially the porn industry for fucking ever you know like yeah. it was a choice yeah like, uh, the, probably the best choice I've ever made yeah so and the industry is so different now too you know it's so different than it was getting into it like you know 10 years ago 20 years ago because the internet ha- and social media has 
given so many people a platform. And right. I mean, honestly, if you would have told me that like 10 years ago, people would be talking seriously about like sex worker rights. Like, first of all, that term sex worker is like pretty new. It is. I think it's you like know? a few years in. Right? Yeah. So, but it's great because it really drives home the idea that like having sex for a living, it's work. Yeah. Like you and I know it's work. Right. You know, we, we come to set, we're on set for long hours. Right. We, you know, you, just for a specific shot. Yeah. And then, like there's lines. It's yeah. Like a lot. It's, it's, it's work, but you know, most people think it's not like you show up, you spread your legs and like you let some guy come all over you and that's it and you go home, but there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it. So it's just really nice that we live in a time where, you know, people are starting to look at it more seriously. And I think they're starting to also look at it in the context of, like, what does it mean for women? And what does it mean for female empowerment? And what does it mean for, like, personal agency? Because when people say that, you know, porn is degrading to women, I always get really frustrated by that. Because when you say that, it's kind of this inherently sexual, sexist assumption that women are victims, that women have no agency over their career, they can't make their own choices by themselves, they couldn't possibly actually be sexual creatures or exhibitionists. Right, like we hate sex, right? Right, We're right. sexist for men. And if you do, if you are a sexual and you are um, an exhibitionist, then you must be broken in some way, right? Yeah, but, but men can do whatever the fuck they want. Exactly, no. exactly. So I think it really also speaks for this idea of gender inequality. And how, you know, people like adult time and porn today is really about giving women like you the power to tell your own stories through the sexual narrative and, you know, show the world that like women can be in charge of, possess their own sexuality. And and also like it's a commodity and people enjoy it. I mean, look at all of a huge majority of the directors that are being nominated for awards this year are women. It's so exciting! It's so fucking exciting. The turnaround. We need more women in power. Yeah, I mean in general, but like in sector. Yeah, I think that's something that people haven't seen a lot of, and it's like shocking to them and it's like a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. that it's happening so I'm I'm excited yeah I just feel really good about being a part of it I feel empowered not everyone has to feel empowered doing sex work because again it is a fucking job yeah like and it's a personal choice sexuality is one of those things that everybody feels drastically different about and that's okay it's so nuts to me but it's it's also really interesting Mm -hmm. to hear the different like ideas and beliefs and like everything that so many different people have about sex Mm -hmm. and sex work yeah and women in sex work yeah yeah so yeah well thank you so much for coming on I'd love to have you come on the show and sit down for like a full hour because we could go on for a long time I got many other things I'd like to ask you about but in these little bite sized interview pieces we have to sadly all good things must come to an end but you'll be back okay in the meantime can you tell people where they can find you on social media so they can kind of read up on the fabulousness that is Demi Sutra and be more prepared for your triumphant comeback. Oh my 
oh in a God. full hour-long episode that was very verbose, that was totally unnecessary. I but loved it. <laughs> thank it you. was great. I read I read a thesaurus last night. Ooh, in thesaurus. preparation. So hot. <laughs> well, okay. So you can find me on OnlyFans.com slash Demi Sutra. Twitter, I'm at Demi Sutra, and Instagram, I'm at the Demi Sutra. So that's probably where I hang out. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for coming by. Have a wonderful time at the rest of the show, and I'll see you. I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you for having me. This podcast has enriched my life in so many ways. And judging from the feedback I get from so many listeners, it might have even had an effect on you guys too. So perhaps consider financially supporting the show that supports positive social change for sex workers. For only $5 a month, you can join my Patreon and have access to watch these interviews streamed live, get exclusive content such as my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life, or on-set behind-the-scenes interviews with some of your favorite adult stars. Plus autographed prints, access to my private Snapchat, my membership site, hollyrandall.com, and so much more. Come see everything I have to offer in exchange for your support at patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Thank you so much. You know, I could not do the show without you guys. All right, everybody. So we are kind of wrapping up the day on Thursday, and I was so excited to see Kenna James over there at her booth, and I was told that I could have her if the line died down, and when I first spotted her, there was an incredibly long line, so I was like, I'm never going to have an opportunity to talk to her, but then I managed to grab her real quick, and um, that was very exciting for me. So, hi, Kenna. How are you? Hi, Holly. I'm amazing. How are you? I'm great. Uh, how has how's the show been for you so far? Have you, how long have you been here? Um, this is day two for me. Okay. Um, this was my only shift today, thankfully, four to eight. So oh, it's my nice. easy day. Uh, but it's been good. It's been busy. Yeah. Today is obviously a bit busier than yesterday, and yeah. I'm starting to lose my voice already. Yep. <laughs> and tomorrow's going to be even worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to the awards? Um, I probably. I have to dance after the awards, so. Right, because you're a big feature dancer. Oh, my God, that's so much. It's a lot. You're going to be so tired. Ugh, I always am. But it's AVN. Yeah. It's once, once a year. Yeah. It's like a week out of a year. I'm like, I can do this. What's your favorite thing about AVN? Um, honestly, meeting a lot of the people that just make my job happen. Yeah. The only reason I'm in this career because these fans support me, and so yeah. actually giving back to them a little bit is nice. Yeah, and it's nice to like have that appreciation kind of face to face from people. Oh yeah, you know the internet feels so kind of anonymous. So it is. It's just there's always that screen, that wall in between you guys. Yeah, and here there isn't that. Yeah. So, how was 2019 for you? It's 2020 now. Um, in 2019, were there any particular scenes or anything that you did that really stuck out? that you feel like your fans should go check out if they haven't already. Well, if you guys haven't checked out Stranger Than Fiction, oh then my you God. absolutely should. Well, oh, I didn't mean to lead you into because. that. <laughs> gee, oh, gee whiz, I sure <laughs> forgot about that movie. <laughs> wow, Kenna, I'm so glad you brought that up. I wouldn't have. <laughs> but honestly, Stranger Than Fiction was one of my favorite things that I got to do last year um, because it was a bigger acting role and I got to play these two amazingly diverse characters mm-hmm. and I also got to wear my first wig ever and Which it turns out so fucking hot in I look good with short black hair you sure do <laughs> very Uma 
Thurman vibe. It was really great. It was crazy. I was yeah. looking at myself and I'm like, it doesn't look like me. Oh, but you look so good. Oh, it is so much fun. So I wanted to thank you for that opportunity Of again. course. So for those of you who don't know, I did direct a movie for Wicked Pictures called Stranger Than Fiction. Kenna is the main character and she basically plays a kind of shy woman who is a best-selling writer like on the down low and then she meets somebody who makes her decide to come out of her shell but she's too embarrassed to come out as her own person so she assumes this other identity of the best-selling author who she actually is and then she gets found out and it's just basically about the duality of women and how you can possess two different kinds of personalities and yet you can still be like one complete human being Exactly. It shows there's more than just what's to the surface of somebody. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was really, really fun movie for me to do. And actually, it has been... I had a um, independent film festival out of Amsterdam um, ask me to submit that for their independent... Um, their, what is it? Not the independent. It's the... They're like alternative category or something like that that they're starting oh, wow. to allow porn into. So yeah, I've actually we've submitted that movie to a film festival. That's amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. Even, yeah, thank you. It wasn't even my idea. They came to me. They're like, hey, we really like this movie. Like, we would like you to submit this. And I was like, oh yeah, oh okay. yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, okay, it was just amazing. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Oh, congrats! I know. I'm so excited. And I had to send them a softcore version, so you know, it wasn't even about the sex. That's amazing. Yeah. So, anything else? Or was that the only notable scene <laughs> of 2019? <laughs> um, Actually, that's one of the biggest ones that comes to mind is, is that one of all, of all of my scenes last year, of everything I did. You know what was so fun about me being able to work and do a couple of scenes with you last year? So we did that movie, and then... I shot you for Naughty America with Ryan right. McLean, which was, you know, and their storylines are very simple. It's very much like get to the point, to the sex. But man, I gotta tell you, that scene with you and Ryan was so good. Like, everybody seemed to love it. Oh my, like, I, you know, and there aren't a lot of times when I'm filming something where I'm like, this is fucking epic. Like, you guys were just so into each other and so impassioned to the point where I actually called cut because I made to change cards and you guys just didn't stop talking. <laughs> it's like we weren't even there. You just kept going and I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell them to stop. They're we'll clearly just, enjoying themselves. We'll just let it go and we'll just resume whenever we're done. <laughs> it was just, it was really nice because it was so great to see this. I mean, not that your scenes, your sex scenes in Stranger Than Fiction weren't great either. Oh, yeah. They were. But I think with the Naughty America one because like, it was a much shorter day. We hadn't, you know, been doing tons of dialogue. Right. Condoms, software, hardcore. Like, it wasn't super hot. Yeah. You guys could just actually, like, have sex. Right. Um, not, you know, after not having done, like, 10 hours of dialogue. Exactly. So I feel like you guys had a little more, like, freedom A little there. more pep, a little more energy yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was a great scene. Really good scene. Great scene. And you're just, um... You're just a really graceful performer. And just, I love the way you move, the way I never have to tell you to point your toes. It's just like my favorite thing. I just wish that I could get more girls to point their toes the way you do. It's like a, 
I mean, you know how I am about Oh, yeah. Toes. Everybody. It's very point your toes. I get very upset about it. It's funny. I've always naturally done it. Like, I had yeah. a friend who always walked on his tiptoes, and I don't know. I've always danced on mine, so anytime yeah. I come up, I dance on my tiptoes. Yeah. So now, anytime I do anything that I find is a pose or a dance, they're automatically pointed. Automatically. Automatically. I don't even have to think about it. Do you, do you come from a dance background? I don't. I've never danced before I was 18, and I started dancing in a strip club wow. where pointing your toes wasn't really necessary. Right. <laughs> but did you find that you were, like, automatically yeah. doing that? Yeah. So, it's, so you just, like, you just have this natural body awareness. That's so amazing. Yeah. It's it's weird. I don't know where it came from, and everyone always asks me, they're like, did you do ballet? And I'm like, no. Never in my life. That's amazing. <laughs> so anything big in store for 2020? <sighs> I hope so. I hope so. I've got a few things in the works, um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Don't want to like count your eggs before they're hatched. Never. We count chickens before they're hatched because <laughs> eggs are pre-hatched. <laughs> you can count the eggs. <laughs> like I said, it's the end of the day. I'm. Uh, it's been a long I'm day. losing it. Um, so just a couple of like random questions to gain some more insight into you. What do you feel is the greatest measure of success. What does success mean to you? Success to me is being stable and being happy. I don't necessarily want everything in the world. I don't want this huge house. I don't want a million cars. I mean, a lot of people look at that as success is, is your is your material items. But all I really want is to never struggle, to never have my family struggle, and just be happy. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's what success is to me, is I true think, happiness. I think that we lose sight of that a lot, especially in today's world, the social media, where we're looking at other people on yachts and you know, oh, yeah. all these material things, and we're like, that is what I need to attain in order to be happy. But that's not true. And, no. and I remember reading a study about how, you know, I wish I, I got to pull up the details of this study because it was really interesting. But they found that the happiest people in the world are not the richest people. No, and in fact, the wealthiest people in the world are generally really miserable. Yeah, and the people that are the happiest that there was like a there was like an income median or something that if you hit that, you generally tended to be happier than people in like a higher income. than the higher income. Yeah. yeah, and I've noticed that among I'm just knowing all these different people and you know knowing from you know the lowest to the highest. Mm-hmm. It's just like typically the the middle that's that's where yeah i find most people are very very happy there yeah once you once you're at a place where like you can pay your bills you don't have to worry You've about got some extra on the side to yeah. go and do stuff but it's just you don't have all these things to maintain you don't have these horrible house bills and the all the car payments yeah just it's too much yeah because that's the problem is like people get a lot of money and they buy more expensive things and so their bills get higher so the anxiety around continuing to make that kind of money in order to pay for this lavish lifestyle that you've created it's its own stress I think on top of everything really anxiety yeah how do you feel about social media overall, by the way? Because it's something that just comes up a lot when I talk to people, and it's, you know, kind of this new influence in our lives that is good in some ways and bad in some ways. Like, overall, how do you feel about it? And do you spend a lot of time on social media, or do you try to limit yourself? I hate social media. I understand why so you're I like on the it. fence on how you feel about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, the only reason I like it is because it does give people an avenue to, to get their products out there, to get their name out there, to get their brand out there. And for that, I think it's great. My biggest problem with it are people 
they live their lives based on what these people on the internet think about them. And that's, you should never care what somebody that you don't know that has no impact on your life. Right. But you can't help it because all you see are these horrible things that people may post about you. And especially, I think, kids going through school. I mean, bullying's always been an issue, but now kids can't get away from it. It's 24-7. It's at school. It's at home. And I think it's creating a lot of bigger issues. Yeah. How do you handle, like, negative feedback on social media? I delete it and block. Yeah. Like, that. I don't let it bother me anymore. Because I kind of came to that. I had to come to that realization. It used to really tear me up inside to mm-hmm. see these horrible things that people would post. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of came to it that you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to like you. So yeah. you just get rid of the trolls and don't feed the fire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that also, too, just trying to not engage too much with the naysayers yeah. is, is wise as well. It's the best thing you can do because that's what they want. Them. They want that reaction. Do not feed the trolls. Do not feed the trolls. <laughs> awesome. Well, we got to wrap up this little interview. I do want to have you come on for a full hour if you're ever of the mind to. I actually, I feel like I do need to come out to Vegas for a couple of days because there's so many people out here who I want to have on my show. I know it's a lot, it's a lot to ask somebody to fly out to LA to like on my show so um, I do want to have you on because I think you're I would love to be on yeah you've got you've got a lot of really important things to say but before we wrap up could what would be your one piece of advice to like a new performer or a girl who's interested in getting into the adult industry what is the one piece of advice that you would give them I guess the biggest piece I would the biggest piece of advice I would give to somebody that wants to get in is take your time and don't let anyone tell you that you have to do something to be successful mm-hmm. I mean, do whatever you're comfortable with, whether that be you want to start out a solo and you want to go that route for a while, or if you want to jump right in and do anals and gangbangs and whatever. But take your own time. Don't feel rushed. Fantastic. I totally agree with you. Kenna, thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at KennaJames21. You can find me on Instagram at RealKennaJames. And thank you, Holly, for having me on. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to my show. If you're a longtime listener or a new one, I've got a lot of interviews. So make sure you check out everything from the beginning of my catalog because there's some real gems back in the early days of the show. And if you enjoy this show, there's a couple of things that you can do to support it. First of all, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate me five stars and leave a review. It's incredibly helpful to get my show up in the charts. Secondly, you can join my Patreon for as little as $5 a month and watch the interviews stream live, which by the way, gives you access to my episodes way before anyone else. You can also get signed prints, books, merchandise, such as shirts and mugs, access to my private Snapchat, and a free membership to my website, hollyrandall.com. Plus, I offer tons of bonus content, Q&A with your favorite guests that you cannot hear on the free platforms, and of course, my exclusive bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life, that I do with my production manager, Eva. It gives you a real and hilarious insight into what it takes to run a small porn company like mine. Because trust me, my job, though stressful, awkward, and facepalm ridiculous as it is sometimes, well, it's never boring. And we definitely give you the juicy behind the scenes dish that you can't get anywhere else. Plus, Eva's dating life is absolutely hilarious and she holds nothing back. So, 
go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered and join the community. Your support helps me in my journey to change people's minds about the adult industry and hopefully the lives of the people in it. And next week, the avian madness continues. I will be releasing two episodes again next week. So make sure that you come back to hear from Sterling Cooper, Reagan Fox, Kate Kennedy, Natalie Mars, Rod Jackson, Leia Falcon, Bailey Rain, Casey Calvert, Joanna Angel, and Seth Gamble. See you back here next week for day two from the avian show at the adult time booth in Las Vegas, Nevada. 